Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Marco Scognamilio, global CEO of RAP. Scognamilio has been at RAP for more than two decades, defying the typical trajectory of an advertising executive that bounces around every few years. In his time there, he's seen the CRM and direct marketing discipline evolve and become a top priority on advertisers' agendas. Sconemilio also chats about how rap is attracting and retaining talent amid the great resignation and discusses how he's leading through ongoing uncertainty regarding the pandemic. Hi, Marco. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. You? Good. Thanks so much for being here. Really excited to have you on the podcast today. So let's talk a little bit about rap. Um, and about your your time at RAP, you've been there for more than two decades, and people in advertising tend to move around a lot. Um, what's made you stick with the agency for so long? Uh, it's a great question. I get it quite a bit, to be honest with you. And it's funny, when you say the two decades, I'm like, God, how old am I? Um, <laughs> so, you know, actually, at the same, I used to answer this question. It comes a lot up in interviews, and um, I use it as a way of looking at candidates, too, which is, you know, one of the great aspects of, I think, Omnicom and RAP is uh, the diversity of businesses and capabilities that we have as an organization. And as a result of that, it just gives such a breadth of opportunity. And when you're, I've just been very fortunate that I've worked for um, leadership who've had a good sense of recognizing um, that they need to be proactive at managing people's career that probably need change after two or three years in their new role, in their current roles, to keep them hungry, and um, and I think that's been part of it. Which is I've been fortunate by the people I've who, who've I've worked for, but also because that breadth of opportunity that there is within our group that there's always something new and different to do. So in a funny way, it's a bit like always going to a new job every few years, but within the same organisation. And I think the other piece as well, which I, I talk a lot about, is. You know, Omnicom is, a, is an organization and, and OPMG and RAP are very, we, we really do empower our leaders to run the business. Um, so, you know, you really are left to get on with it and, you know, create the change in the direction you, you desire. And when you do all of that, you know, you have the diversity of choice, you have the opportunity, you've got the freedom to play and do what you believe is right for your client's business and your own your own talent. And you just, you stay energized. So I think I'm on my ninth or 10 different role. Um, since I joined, you know, over 20 years ago, um, it's just full of variety. And so, you know, there's no reason for me to leave. Right. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit about how RAP has evolved over the years sure. um, since you started. I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but RAP has its roots in, in CRM, and, um, but it also has, you know, creative capabilities. Talk a little bit about how the agency has grown and expanded what it does over time. Yeah, no, sure. Um, it's interesting, actually, um, because, you know, if I look back at the 20 years I've been here, or even since, you know, when I feel like the, the brand was born back in the Rat Collins days, which I think is going back to the early 50s, 60s, or when all the the direct CRM agency started, you know, what isn't, what hasn't changed is, you know, these last 20 years or so, we've just had a relentless focus on ensuring that the work we do for clients 
um, is, re- is individually relevant to their customers with as much precision as possible. That's what we've always done. We've always played and dabbled in first-party data. But what has changed, if you like, today, or has continuously changed almost like year in out, is how we do it. So less about what we do, but more about how we do it. And the bit to your question, you know, above about why I'm, I'm still here, if you like, is it's our ability as, a, as an organization to be empowered to create the change that we believe needs to be done to allow our craft to be relevant for today's business. Um, and that means that the work we do for clients has to become smarter and smarter in terms of how we are relevant to, uh, to our clients' customers because of the plethora of, of channels which you know uh, brands and customers can engage with brands. So then you get into our services, you say, okay, so where are we today? You know, we've our services are so broad now with you know multiple disciplines. So you know, with smart use of data for our you know marketing sciences teams, complemented with uh, complemented with cultural intelligence, CX strategy for better uh, journey mapping and, and management through to automation proprietary solutions such as Adzu, which is a proprietary tool that we have. So you know, we re- we just built out a fantastic bank of of tools and services and and products that allow us to better understand how people engage with brands at an individual and relevant level. We just have to keep on evolving our offering. And it doesn't stop. You know, even just last year, um, we added more uh, specialisms in the the, um, example of our diversity strategy department, which is the core of our craft. So there we're bringing, you know, inclusion, equity and accessibility to every facet of our craft to challenge assumptions of brands and uncover blind spots. So really help our brands stay relevant in a marketplace which is you know more and more diverse so we, we never stop evolving our capability so we're always ahead of the game of understanding you know our clients customers at an individual level so we can create more relevant and social impact and virtually effectively commercial success for um, clients so you know one way we a lot hasn't changed because we're still about understanding people at an individual level but the how we do it just keeps on expanding. And that's what, and, you know, back to your question at the beginning, frankly, that's what keeps it interesting. It's almost like now is the best time to be in our business because there's so much opportunity to create change and, and opportunity for clients and our people. Well, help, to your point, your yeah, of Sorry? course. To your, to your point, I think, um, you know, like CRM and, and one-to-one direct marketing used to sort of be like, oh, you know, like the direct mail people in the back like now it's really like hot right like everybody's talking about first party data there's so many different applications for it in marketing um how has that sort of changed like the 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 focus at the agency and the way that you apply the way that one-to-one relationship to the marketing executions and campaigns you create for your clients yeah so you know because no it's interesting you say so yeah you know, you go back, I don't know, 20 years ago, you know, you're kind of pretty clear what your CRM came was going to be. It's probably going to be a mixture of diet mail and, and email, you know, and you probably start there because you knew those were the, probably the most, you know, reliable, direct channels, if you like. But now everything, everything's open, you know. So that's why we have to start from, you know, the perspective of really understanding, um, you know, our clients, customers, individual levels. So, we go into these, you know, problem solving for our clients with real objectivity. And and that's why, therefore, we need this breadth of services and we need a breadth of talent. So we are we, we are able to say, how do we orchestrate all those different entry points? And once we have those entry points, how do we orchestrate, 
you know, managing those relationships with a much more complexity than we ever had before. So why we end up, you know, over the years, we've really built up our, not just our marketing science as a team, but our technology as a team. So we understand what kind of platforms and solutions that we that we require, which engage with different, you know, audiences and, and different brands and so forth. So, you know, we're able to orchestrate, you know, these different facets with, you know, people have broader capabilities and, and understanding than I think where we were a few years ago. Yeah. And um, so how has it like changed the competitive set that you're up against? Because there used to be just sort of like, you know, the the few like legacy direct agencies. Now everybody wants a piece of this first party data. There's ad tech companies, there's media agencies talking about it. Like, how, do you feel like your competitive set has changed? Oh, massively, massively. Absolutely. So it is so broad. Um, almost it's hard to you know, we'd be half an hour if you if you asked me to name our, our competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, so, you know, we've got the, the magic consultants coming, we've got the advertising networks coming in and so forth. We've got the smaller consultings. We've got the ad tech companies. We're sometimes presenting up against, um, you know, marketing sciences, companies only. So it is, it is extremely uh, uh, broad. Um, but that's what it is. You know, if you asked this question 10 years ago, we probably would have said something similar. You know, there's more and more competition coming in. Um, but all that does, in all honesty, it just it allows us to say, you know what, we have to stay smart and ahead of our game and keep on sharpening our tool set and ensuring that we have the best talent in the business because that's the only way we will win. So I think the competition is healthy because it pushes us um, further ahead of the curve to make sure that, you know, we keep winning for our clients. Mm. And so, so competition is good. Yeah. And so one way that you've sort of evolved to keep up with the competition, I would assume, is uh, merging with proximity. Um, talk, yeah. talk about that and how that changes the offer and why that made sense. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a couple of things, really, you know, scale is important globally. And, you know, we, we both got uh, both brands were, were strong um, in terms of global present rap has more uh, presence in, in in more markets. And I think with proximity, that just gives us greater scale um, uh, across, the, across the, the global network, which is really important for our global clients. But more kind of granular, if you like, um, I guess two, three more interesting points. One is that it really deepened our sector experience in some areas um, where they had um, some good clients, such as a retail, um, you know, having clients like IKEA and Specsavers, you know, good, strong, you know, retail clients. Um, so that really deepened that sector experience for us, which was extremely valuable for some of our other retail clients. And then also, you know, complementary, they have a, particularly in the US, they had a very strong performance media business. So and that, again, back to understanding customers at any part of the journey, performance media is really important as well. So that gave us some extra incremental capabilities that we required in, in one or two markets. So, you know, certainly deepening sector expertise and complementary um, were two important aspects of it, as well as giving us that extra scale globally. And then the other thing I would say, too, is just, you know, mergers don't always work very well because of clashing cultures. And the great thing about uh, proximity and RAP and, and proximity, maybe where it was called BHWG in its early days, I, mean, I was fortunate to work there. And, you know, and they were great, extraordinary founders at BHWG Proximity, but they had the same culture is wrapped in terms of they really generally cared about their people and their own personal success and development as rap does so that alignment around cultures which was people first really allowed us to get going and therefore benefit from the deepening of their sexual experience with ours and, and complementary 
um, uh, skills in areas such as performance media and just made this a great powerhouse. And frankly, a lot more people, greater bench to pull from and more opportunity for people in an organization because there's now more scope for people, um, for our talent to do things, mm. work in different clients' business and different areas of the company. Yeah. So it's, been, it's been a great, it's been a fantastic year and a half. Awesome. Beyond my expectations, if I'm honest with you. Awesome. So I think, I mean, obviously, a little bit of what you're saying, I think, is sort of, you know, Omnicom, your your parent company strategy to simplify and, and sort of bring together and scale businesses that uh, are aligned with each other, which is what all of the, the major holding companies are, are sort of trying to do in their own ways these days. You've also um, been part of the OPMG, Omnicom Performance Marketing Group. Yeah. Talk about how joining that group has like changed what you're able to do for clients, what you can access, and and maybe even the, the way your agency is, is positioned. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, it's been great, I've got to say. You're obviously aware that there are other verticals were, were created uh, previously, you know, with the PR group and, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the healthcare group before OPMG was created. There must be five years now since Luke started um luke taylor started opmg and you know the most significant one of the most significant differences is just brought together um a a really brilliant community of like-minded precision marketing thinkers if you like so you've got the rat group which stands you know with around where we look at first where we you know we talk about first individual um precision you know marketing at scale if you like and and there are other businesses within opmg and you know the, the bring of us together with the shared ip um creating tool sets, sharing tool sets, sharing resources, partnering together on pictures, just creating that communicative like-minded thinkers has just made a significant difference to, I think, the value of output we we also bring for our clients and with that also opportunity for our people as well. So it's made a significant difference in, I think, you know, without doubt, it's one of the, the reasons why we've had so much success and growth over the last few years. Is it that you're sort of cross-pitching different capabilities and growing into different different client arrangements by being part of the group. Yeah, that happens yeah. naturally. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we will we will partner with Cordero, which was an acquisition we did two three years ago mm-hmm. on their clients, and they will partner with us on our client base where we need to bring in their deeper Martech skills and so forth. So yeah, it's you know, there's you know partnering on on pitches, there's partnering on talent, there's partnering on IP. Um, and, and also when we go to support Omnicom and some of the, the major pictures, we just have so much capability that we can now bring together mm-hmm. um, to partner with, you know, be it with BBDO or TBWA to really, you know, help, you know, make a difference for the, the clients um, that we're asked to pitch for. And that's, the, and that's the bit which is quite unique is that, you know, what we're focused on is not on our own game. We're focused on what is it we're trying to do? What, what is it that we need to do to help our clients be more successful? Mm-hmm. And then we come together and we, we do that well because of the culture and the partnership that we've created amongst each other. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like that, you, you've been at Omnicom for the past 20 or so years. Like how, how is that a change from, from the early days there? Because I think the holding companies over those two or so decades have changed a lot in terms of, their need to collaborate, create cross-discipline yeah. teams. Like, do you notice a big shift from? A mass- yeah, a massive shift. And, you know, what What also is interesting with that is, you know, someone said to me, so kind of, was there a process or was there a mandate? There was none of that, in my opinion. We were never, back to this empowerment piece, we weren't all forced to work, you know, through this model pushed down on us. It's very much, okay, you know, 
right, guy, we know we need to know who is. We know what makes sense for clients. We need, as a leader, as an empowered leader, as I am, or as empowered leader Lucas, or empowered leaders at BBO, TBWA, or the Omnicom, you know, leadership team. We just, you know, we've know we you know we're grown ups. We've got to work together, do what's best for our clients' business. And there's just that culture of collaboration that is naturally there. So it's hard time to say, by the way, so what was the process? There wasn't this one. We just get on with it because, mm-hmm. you know, we know what is right as opposed to being kind of straightjacketed into a methodology or, or a process to, um, you know, work together. And I think that's what's wonderful about it. You know, we just, it's, it's like funny. It's like going down to the pub, frankly, saying a bunch of people <laughs> you like being with. You know, and yeah. getting on with it because, you know, we're not neurosurgeons, you know, we're in the business of marketing. So, you know, we should be able to figure this stuff out. And that's what's enjoyable about it. There's no edge, no egos, they left the door and um, we get on, we do what's right. Interesting. Seems like it big... feels that way from my perspective anyhow. Well, it's a, it's a big change, I think, from, from the entrepreneurial attitude <laughs> of the past. I mean, there's still a lot of entrepreneurs, but... Right. Um, yeah, true. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, first-party data, CRM, and creativity. I feel like okay. a lot of the times that link is missing, but you know, when you go to RAP's website and poke around at the different case studies, like creativity is front and center. There's you guys are producing creative work. How do you make that link, and what can the industry learn about that? Um, yeah. Uh, so on the whole, um, I guess the data you know, privacy piece, which is important in this, which is, you know, I say, you know, we've got no excuses as, as a business to, as no excuse or other not to um, take responsibility around the whole area of privacy uh, and getting that right for our clients. Because, you know, we've, be, we've been in this industry a long time and we see the frustration that happens with, with customers when, you know, data is executed badly and, um, you know, the result has been GDPR and so forth as a, as a consequence. Um, and, you know, back to where the world is today in terms of the, I guess, the, com- the, the, the manner in which consumers can engage with brands on whatever terms they uh, require. Um, and yes, there's a lot of data and there's a lot of more automation going around. However, though, this is the time for creativity because because of that complexity and how consumers can engage with brands and all the different ways in which they can engage, that creates real requirement for if you like, you know, imagination and creativity to solve those type of problems. So if I'm a, a creative or I'm a, and we don't really delineate, you know, delineate between creative and creative department. And, you know, we just thought creativity generally across a whole business because you need to be more imaginative in your thinking and understanding of people. And you need to be more imaginative in how you engage with consumers on multiple touch points. So, so for us, this is the time for creativity, you know. So, yes, there's going to be a need for a really, you know, engaging thought or idea but it's really how that gets executed around multiple touch points in very different innovative ways where there's great opportunities for creativity so again back to something i said earlier which this is a great time to be in business if you're in an in- if you're a person who enjoys creativity because uh, really it's you know you could do anything you know there are no barriers that you can create new channels Mm. You know, you can create, you know, put new innovation out there to create new engagement platforms for consumers. Mm-hmm. I used to say to people, you know, hey, someone came up with Twitter. So what's our, what could we do? Mm-hmm. What could we create? You know, there's no barriers. And that's what's great about it. You know, so I think if you have that ethos as a business, you create that type of culture, which is, guys, this is our opportunity to do things differently. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, we don't create differentiation for our clients 
versus their customers because we all do this end up doing the same thing so it, it's a it, this is a great opportunity for creativity as a as, a, as an industry it's not just right i think across the whole piece there's no excuse for lack of creativity at the moment yeah i think that um you know a lot of times like creative like traditional creatives don't see the crm world as like the sexiest thing right like they want to make the big tv commercial they want to do the super yeah. bowl spot but when i talk to marketers like i've had multiple marketers tell me like why aren't you know certain agencies thinking more creatively about like my crm campaigns and my emails that i send out to my customers every single day like how do you how do you attract those creatives and and sort of bridge that yeah so um we do especially so the two ways right one is we do a lot with colleges now so to your early point around you know a lot of creators that you're saying will still want to do the big tv spots and so forth and those are you know teams that have worked in the industry for a long time and you know maybe conditioned to where they do business so one of the the i would say challenge opportunities that we've created for ourselves is to start to look for talent um a bit more aggressively that's coming into the industry who's from the if you like the generation where they're used to creativity for like being more bottom up or creating new creative or creating or developing new channels to market. So I think a whole recruitment strategy and where we look for, for talent is very different than it was before. So not in those traditional sources. Um, and, and secondly, with that, I think we, you know, we think we do a good job of um, expressing to uh, people coming into potentially coming into our business that really, you know, we do have an ambition to change the way in which creativity is perceived in our industry. And here are some examples we'll share of the work we're doing and the brands that we work for. You know, we work for some phenomenal brands across the globe, you know, across the US and the UK, you know, be it, you know, Toyota, Mercedes, Virgin Media, uh, Charter, you know, um, you know, we just have a, a fantastic breadth of clients. And I think we, when we demonstrate that to uh, talent, coming in and say you have the opportunity to do something different with these businesses um it's inspiring and uh, you know we we, we do well with we're equipped with this area and also you might have seen recently in the uk the team here won i think the most goals that was what uh, one of the dmas um for a long time um uh, which was you know a, a credit to the work that's been produced so mm -hmm. it's certainly an important um part of our uh, narrative with them um, talent do you think that uh looking for talent in new places and also just this next generation of talent has a different idea of what creativity is and can be. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, I definitely. And, you know, uh, and, and I think it really is around um, engagement and solutions um, as opposed to maybe getting, you know, you know, overexcited by uh, the next uh, TV commercial, which to honest you, by the way, just so you know, for the record, I love seeing a great TV commercial and get still excited by great work on television. Um, but at the end of the day, this talent that's coming through is they want to do work which is more digitally active, mm -hmm. if you like. Um, it's transformational. It's contributing to um, social change. Um, it may be work that is important sustainably or it's executed in a sustainable fashion. All these things are, are stuff that would never, you know, is it, is it, is there, are we being, you know, sensitive to DE&I in the work that we put out for our clients' brands? 
Um, so not just about our own DNI strategies and organization, but are we helping our clients with their strategy as well? Mm-hmm. All those, that's all creativity. And we were never having those conversations five, six years. I think we even had those conversations three years ago, frankly. So to come into an industry which really cares about all of that with a creative lens is an exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about talent. We're in the midst of a great resignation. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. all agencies are, and businesses, frankly, are struggling to get people to come back to work. And in the advertising industry, people are going freelance. They're realizing they can work in-house at a brand. They can work at a consulting firm, a tech company. What? How are you attracting and retaining talent in this in this market? Yeah, it's um, another a good question, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Big one. laughs> so you know, um, it's a, so the the moment actually. So we were just talking the other day. We haven't as yet seen the negative impact on our business of it. However, though. As I was saying to the teams here, we're not naive enough to think that it's going to affect us soon if we don't, you know, if we're not doing the right things. And, you know, some of those right things are that, you know, a bit like saying at the very beginning, we have to be smarter at um, being proactive in conversations with people. Because, you know, what generally happens, you know, over the years is, you know, you wait for someone to knock on your door or I'm looking for something different now and I'm sorry. And by the time they've had that conversation, it's too late. So, a bit like my bosses have been with me in the past. They've been smart enough to realize that, you know what, actually maybe there's opportunities for you. So being a bit more proactive about career conversations, um, that's a big part of it. And again, because we have so much scale of um, opportunity within RAP and OPMG and so forth, that there's always going to be an opportunity for our good people. So let's be more proactive with those conversations. So we're ahead of that. and We're managing, helping manage their career. And then, you know, personal development at an individual level. So we're all very good at doing, I think, personal development for our staff, you know, training on presentations and so forth, et cetera. But we need to do more and more proactive development um, for, for at an individual level. So how do, as in you, you know, what do you need to do to go to the next level? How can we help you and what is the specific need for you? Again, but doing that more proactively as opposed to waiting for you to knock on my door. Um, and never take anything for granted with our people. You know, we have to be, you know, paranoid that, you know, um, that our people are, you know, thinking about what's next for them. So I just think there's lots of training stuff, except I just think this whole thing about being proactive and mm-hmm. conscientiously checking in with people to see what can we do to help you, how are things going, as opposed to waiting, for example, annual reviews. We just have to be more proactive in our engagement and conversations with our staff. And then on top of that, say we can do things like the individual development, we can, you know, um, uh, we can send people on bar train programs. We can fast track certain stars and things like that. But I just think this whole thing about spending more quality time, understanding our people and what they want to do with their careers at a greater intensity that we've done in the past, I think, um, is going to be important for uh, retention. Well, how difficult is that to do now that we're still working remotely in most parts of the world? We all kind of thought we'd be back in the office by now, right? So how do you manage that while also pivoting to a new working style? Yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, And uh, and I'll give you an example of what example we we need to do. And I was just saying this only recently, which was, you know, when we're all in the office, I can walk past the desk and I see, oh, Jack's looking. Hey, Jack, you're looking a bit glum. Are you okay today? You know, I just walk past. I could, oh, she, she looks a bit down. You could, you just see those things. That's because I just passed them in the corridor. That's all gone. Right. So I think what we're saying now is, you know, hey guys, you can't wait. This is where it's tough for leadership. This is where, and actually, where leadership needs to stand up, is you know, you can't just wait for your 
daily or weekly Teams or Zoom call to have your one-on-one. Be proactive. Just make calls out the blue. You know, check in, send a text message, just call randomly. Just got, we got to find a way of even remotely being a bit more proactive how we engage with people. And then, of course, we'll do a lot of with town halls, all that usual stuff you'd expect us, us to be doing during this pandemic period. Um, but and what's interesting with all that, you know, we've seen, and again, we yeah, I'm sure other agencies, not just saying it's us, but you know. The crazy thing during this last 18, 12 months is we've not seen anything negative in our employee um, engagement scores. If anything, we're seeing them get better Mm. because what it's made us do, because we're not seeing people naturally in the corridor, we're working damn sight harder to make sure our people are okay. And that's been reflected. So again, we just have to over-index on caring about our people and being proactive. Mm. And... Um, have you like, you know, there's been a few fits and starts with going back to the office. Have you changed your philosophy on that at all? Like what, what are you thinking about now for the future? Crikey, don't ask me to predict the future, will you? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, listen, I, I mean, yes. Yeah, well, so predict- yeah, not predict, Sorry? not necessarily. Predict- no, 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 I just, I just. Yeah, yeah, just uh, I keep because I'm a, I'm an optimist, you see, and I'm convinced we're all going to be it's all going to be good, and we'll be back in the office next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So we, where we are at the moment. So first of all, I think as a principal wrap as a brand, we we absolutely, you know, are clear that we see the benefits um, for our clients and our people being together. Um, so ultimately, we want to make sure you know we can create a safe environment for our people that when they do come back to the office, that it's safe for them to do so. Because also we do believe that, you know, collaborating and ideating and work together in, you know, in open spaces, in in rooms with our clients, that's what that's where we'll do great work. And, and, that's, and we, we know our clients want that as well. However, though, what we're, where we are is we think there's a lovely balance to be had, which is, you know, it might be, again, flexible. It might be three or four days a week we'll aim for. It might be two, three days a week in the office, but on days that matter. Um, and then maybe, you know, you do a couple of days from home because, you know, that's the day where you really just need to get shit done, frankly. And it's a good time to close the door and, and, and work through stuff. So we're, we're really flexible is where we're at at the moment. And saying all that, we, we do believe that together is better and it will be beneficial for our, our clients, but also, more importantly, I think in a lot of cases, it's beneficial in terms of well-being. I know myself personally, I'm in the office today, and you know, there's about 20, 30 of us in today, although in theory there's a work-from-home order in the UK, um, or work-from-home if you can. Um, it's great to be here, mm. uh, but we're going to get a balance. We're going to get a real balance, and then we'll see how it goes. Do you feel like um, people are looking for just some sort of, like, you know, concrete answer, like, what are we doing? Is it, is it flexibility? Is it coming back to the office? Like, I feel like people are just burnt out from all the, all the fits and starts here. Like, how do you manage that? Yeah, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't be more correct. Um, I would have said yes, three months ago to your question. They're looking, I think now people would be cynical if we said this is the way it's going to be because we've had so many fits and starts. So we're very much of uh, the point of view, which look, you know, cons- you know, our philosophy is we we want to be back together, but we want to be flexible to make sure there's a there's a good balance. Um, but we're not dictating any dates at the moment because we're just, you know, I think we all want to see what happens over the next few weeks. Um, uh, so because we've made so many, you know, 
at fits and stops. We just have. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I do believe that, you know, I know it must be 18 months now we've been, if not longer, 18, feels like 18 months. We've effectively been all been working from home. Almost two years. And yeah, it's, it's almost two years. And, you know, I, lo- I talk a lot of people, I'm quite good at connecting with our staff. And I know a lot of, there's a lot of people who'd like to get some, you know, office time back, but it's got to be safe. Mm-hmm. And that's our priority is the well-being of our people. And I, I believe we'll get it. We'll get a good balance. Yeah. But it needs to be safe. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a, a tricky, a tricky tightrope to walk. Well, hopefully next time we, um, next time we chat, maybe there will be a little bit more certainty in the exactly. world. Exactly. Welcome to your studio. Who knows? Um, well, anyway, thank you so much, Marco, for your time and for for all your great insights. And uh, hope to talk soon. All right. All the best to you, and take care. And happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry, and we'll see you next time.